Shall we just commit this time into the Lord's hands? Let's pray that God will minister unto us that which he wants to impress upon our hearts. Father, we thank you, Father, for a time such as this, Lord, when we can once again study from your word the truth that you have for us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you will give us all attentive hearts, Lord, Father, attentive minds, Lord, Father, that even as we study from your word, Lord, Father, we will understand the truth that is embedded in your word, Lord, Father. And I pray, Lord, that we will learn to practice that which we learn, Lord, Father. We give all glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we live in a world where the distinction between right and wrong has been absolutely blurred. We live in a world that believes in a flexible, man-made truth, but not in the absolute truth of God. The truth that God decreed and established, that seems to have gone. We live in a world that claims to have the freedom to do whatever he or she wants to do, irrespective of whether it is right or whether it is wrong. We live in a world where the clear commands of God have been replaced by the shifting sands of worldly thought and doctrine. Now, as Bible-believing Christians, can we, for a moment, take a step back and just consider how God must be feeling? I know there are a lot of parents here. And I will address this statement to you, while the rest goes to everybody else. As parents, we sometimes become angry. Sometimes we get frustrated when our children choose to do the wrong thing. Am I right? We get angry. We get frustrated when our children choose to disobey us. We may forgive them time and time again, but a point comes when you just say, do as you wish. Face the consequences. My words mean nothing to you. Do you realize that our awesome, loving God also has moments of justifiable anger and frustration. There are quite a few places in Scripture that describe this frustration of God. Now we think that our God is a wonderful, loving God, a God who blesses us with prosperity and everything else. Which is true, absolutely true. But do you know that right across Scripture, there are recorded instances of where God said, I am angry with these people. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 7, shortly after he created mankind, we read these words. Genesis 6, 5 to 7. Now, I have told the uh, tech team not to display the verses. 
because that gives you an opportunity to at least on Fridays open your Bible. Okay, so I shall leave it at that. Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 to 7. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air. For I am sorry that I have made them. Imagine to the extent of frustration, sadness that God was driven to, to make that statement. I am sorry that I even made them. In Genesis 19, we read the story of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah because of their very grave sin. And that angered God. What was their sin? Sexual perversion. In number 16, we read of how God got angry when the Israelites, led by Korah and his sons, rebelled against God's chosen leaders, Moses and Aaron. The ground opened up and Korah and his sons and their families were swallowed up. What was their sin? Rejecting God. In Acts chapter 5, we read of the instant death of Ananias and Sapphira because they lied to the Holy Spirit. What was their sin? They tried to deceive God and man. And that is why the author of the book of Hebrews makes a crucial statement in chapter 10, verse 31. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. In the New International Version, it is written, It is a dreadful thing. In New Living Translation, it says, It is a terrible thing. Nowhere does it ever say, I don't know any other version of the Bible which says, it is a comfortable thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It doesn't. It is tragic if God has to turn his back against you. Now over the next 30 minutes or so, we are going to study from God's word what it means to experience the wrath of God. Now, theologians tell us that there are different forms of wrath described in the Bible. See, this is one thing I've realized in Bible school. They can theorize and theorize and theorize and produce different classifications of wrath and whatever. But at the end of the day, we still have to come to the Word of God and read it for ourselves. So please, whatever I'm going to tell you today, don't take me at my word. This is serious. Go back and check. The one 
form of wrath that we are probably most familiar with is the wrath of the end times, the tribulation and eternal wrath. We have studied that in detail. We have uh, spent some months over it in cells as well as in the church. And we talk about these being the end times and the wrath of God is being poured out. So that is something that to a large extent most of us are familiar with. But that is yet to happen. Remember that wrath is post-rapture. And if you think that rapture hasn't, has, has already taken place and we are still here, that means we haven't made heaven. Okay, so we better not think that rapture has taken place. Okay, that's, rapture is yet to happen. So this wrath that we're talking about here is yet to happen. There are other forms of wrath. But there is one happening right now. And that is what we are going to focus on. A wrath of God that is happening right now. It is not for the future. It is now. It is sometimes called God's wrath of abandonment. He abandons us. Now you can say, no, 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 it says in the Bible that God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Yes, it says. But please continue to read. Those verses are there in a couple of places of Scripture. Before and after, what does it say? If you do this, 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 I will not leave you nor forsake you. So there are conditions. As Pastor Francis told us some time back, terms and conditions apply. Okay, so it's not a blanket statement, I will, not, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's not a blanket statement that we can just take for just that statement alone. There are conditions for which that statement applies. Okay, but now what we are going to look at is what happens when God in His wrath abandons us. This is a type of wrath that is seen when God turns His back on society including false churches and false church organizations, and when he turns his back on nations. And if you take a moment to just think of all the nations in the world, I don't know, according to United Nations 192 or something like that, There is no single nation that has not turned its back on God. From the biggest country of the world, Russia, to the smallest country in the world, the Vatican City, all have turned their back on God. And God says, do what you want. You and I need to understand what provokes God to this kind of wrath. And the best way to avoid this wrath, we may not do it as a nation, we may not even do it as a society, but let's at least do it in, as individuals or within our families or even within our church. Okay, the best way to avoid this wrath of abandonment is to diligently follow God and obey all His commandments. And therefore, the title of today's message is, Do Not Compromise the Truth of God. 
do not compromise the truth of God. Our key reference passage is taken from Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 32. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 32. And I'm going to be reading this passage from the New King James Version. Verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifested in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their heart to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who also exchanged the truth of God for the light and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to wild passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use of what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty for their error which was due. And, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. That's the passage we are going to be looking at today. Now, this is one of the most challenging pieces of Scripture. The challenge is not that we can't understand it. It's a pretty simple passage to understand. In fact, I don't even need to share a message on this. It's absolutely straightforward. The challenge is that we refuse to accept it. Romans 1 is, if people had an option, they will start the book of Romans with Romans 2, 3. Romans 1, certainly people don't want. So our problem, the challenge is not that we don't understand it. The challenge is that we refuse to accept it. 
Okay, and that is reality. It's certainly not a very popular subject anywhere in the world, even in the church. But that's what we have today. So the first question to ask is this. What provokes the wrath of God? What provokes the wrath of God? Number one, suppression of God's truth. That's what it tells us in verses 18 and 19. Suppression of God's truth. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against, un, against all ungodliness and righteousness of men who suppress the truth in righteousness, in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. They know. We know the truth. We suppress the truth. We don't have to hide against the fact that I was ignorant of that. You can't be ignorant of that. Why? Because the Bible tells us that for God has shown it to them. And yet we suppress God's truth. That's the first thing that provokes the wrath of God. In the New Living Translation, it says, they push the truth away from themselves. Very nice, isn't it? They push the truth away from themselves. They push it away from themselves. We push it away from ourselves because it is inconvenient. Truth is inconvenient to our ways of thinking and living. New Living Translation says, Verse 19, for the truth about God is known to them instinctively. God has put this knowledge in their hearts. That's why I said this passage is not difficult to understand. It is difficult to accept. How did Cain know that killing of Abel was wrong? God had already put the truth of life and the sanctity of life in the hearts of our first family. There were no laws laid out at that time. Thou shalt not murder came many months later, many years later. Okay, but Cain, when he knocked off Abel, he knew that it was wrong. Why did he, how did he know that? Because of what God had put in his heart. We call that the conscience. You see, and this is what God has done. He has put these things in our heart already. So if we don't apply them, what are we doing? We are suppressing the truth. And God says, I don't like that. How does a child know to hide or lie when caught with his or her hand in the cookie jar. Parents, do you teach your children to lie? Do you, do you teach your children to tell the wrong things? 
I mean, except probably when your boss is coming, you tell the child, tell, tell him I'm not at home. Okay. I understand that. Okay. But rest of the time, parents, we never tell our, we never teach our children to lie. And yet, children get it. They do it. From a very young age. When they're very, very young, we say, oh, so sweet. Okay. Not that child. It's not sweet at all. It's a lie. See, God has already put truth in the hearts of people. God's truth is the absolute truth. It doesn't change. It's not flexible. You can't bend it to convenience. It is not dependent on man's whims and fancies. God's absolute truth is imprinted in our heart and it is also there in pages of scripture. So if you think that you have suppressed it so much in your heart that you are not able to bring it out, go to the scripture. God said, I put it in two places. One is in your heart, one is in the scripture. So you can read it from here or you can read it from your heart, your choice. See, the problem with us is that we often brush aside our conscience and we rarely study the Word of God. Today, my question is this. Are you suppressing the truth? Are you suppressing the truth of God? Are you pushing away God's Word just to accommodate and tolerate the different standards of people around you? Beware, you may be provoking the wrath of God. Number two, ignoring God's revelation. Number two, ignoring God's revelation. Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. God has revealed everything about himself in everything that he has made. So we can't say there is no God. We can't say I don't understand God. It's, not, it's just, just not possible. Okay. NLT puts it this way, from the time the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky and all that God has made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse whatsoever for not knowing God. These are blunt words. In Psalm 19, verses 1 to 3, David declares it. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto nine reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where your voice is not heard. This is what David has written. And we love reading the Psalms, isn't it? Don't ignore God's revelation. 
The world is trying hard to prove that we came into existence from nothing. That's what the world is trying to prove. Just look around you. The mountains, the valleys, the rivers, the towering trees, the flowers of many colors. Did they come with themselves? Did they just happen as evolutionists claim? I'm just going to show you something. I hope I have the time to complete it. And I hope it works, because I'm really looking forward to it. Ah, here it is. Okay. You know what this is? What's this? A piece of cloth, so I'm going to keep it here. Okay. You know what this is? Scissors, to cut the cloth, right? Okay. Then, you know what this is? Thread. I'm going to put that there. And then we have some buttons. I'm going to put that there. Okay. So I've got a cloth, a few buttons, a scissors, some thread. I'm going to leave it right there. And hopefully by the end of this message, it will become a shirt. <laughs> That's what evolutionists tell us, isn't it? By some random chance, you and I are here today. You know? By random chance, something happened here, there, everything, lightning, this thing, that thing. Suddenly a tadpole came from somewhere, and then the tadpole's tail disappeared, and then you are appeared. I mean, how foolish. How irrational. You put, bring it down to its basic statements, you will find that these statements are absolutely irrational. But let's see, maybe a shirt will come and I'll change my mind, and you can also change your mind. We will wait till the end of the service. Maybe we can wait for a million years. See, every design needs a designer. Every cloth needs a tailor. Every creation needs a creator. It's not going to happen otherwise. Today, are you ignoring God's revelation, the revelation of God's awesome power? Don't fall in for interesting but irrelevant theories. Number three, denying the glory of God, verses 21 and 23. 21 to 23. 21, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Why do we deny God? We know the truth of who He is, and yet we minimize Him and deny Him and betray Him and make fun of Him. We even make a clown of Him as if He's in some circus or something like that. Like you can't minimize God like that. It's impossible. Let's not do it. Let's not deny the glory of God. 
There is no one, none of us, nobody anywhere in the world, whatever politicians say, no one comes anywhere close to having the glory of God. So why do we deny it? We do not want to honor Him and glorify Him because that would mean that we are accountable to Him. So we don't want to account Him. We don't want to even bring Him into the picture because that would mean that we are accountable to an honorable God, a glorious God, an awesome God. But what does the Word tell us today? We are accountable to no one. That's the teaching that's going around. You are accountable to no one. What do you mean you are accountable to no one? My son stays in my house. Until he's on his own, he's accountable to me. He can't tell me that I'm accountable to no one. I'll say, right, the door is there. No, we can't say this. You can't go to your office and say, I'm accountable to no one, so I won't do this job, but I'll get my salary. It's not on. You know, but that's the world today. I am accountable to no one. Only I and what I want matters. But Isaiah wrote in chapter 47, verse 10, many centuries back, this is what he wrote. For you have trusted in your wickedness, you have said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge have warped you. And you have said in your heart, I am, and there is no one else beside me. What does man say? I am. What did God tell Moses? When Moses said, suppose they ask me, who sent you? Who sent? Why did you come here? Tell them, I am sent me. And now what is Isaiah saying here? You trusted in your wickedness. You have said no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge have warped you. And you have said in your heart, I am. And there is no one else beside me. You see, that's what happens the more we deny the glory of God. We start elevating ourselves. Everything is I. And then it's all about I. I become the center of everything. Okay, and if you remember, there was a movie called The Jungle Book and the cartoon movie, very interesting movie. Uh, and in that movie, somewhere in the middle, you have this uh, nice, interesting song by uh, uh, the monkeys. Okay, all the monkeys, uh, it's called Louis and the monkeys. And uh, as they do that one, the palace that they were in starts crumbling. And so King Louis is sitting there on top of a crumbling column. Everything else around him has crumbled. Okay, till that one also crumbles. The more we say that I am in the center, remember everything around you is crumbling. And pretty soon, what you are standing on is also going to crumble. And then you are buried under rubble, nothing else. Okay. Today, are you and I denying the glory of God? Now, that is a dangerous path to be walking on. Number four, exchanging the truth for a lie. 
verse 25. Who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. The ultimate insanity of man is to reject God and replace him with a non-God. Okay, look all around you. Men and women are chasing after corruptible things that will one day disappear. We are looking for deadly and enticing things to pursue, forgetting that in God we have all that we would ever need. We have exchanged the truth of God for the lie of the devil and have chosen to worship the creation rather than the creator. And it doesn't matter what idol each of us has. In times past, it was made of wood and stone. In today's world, it's got a chip inside it. But we have different idols. Now, this brings us to the second question. How is the wrath of God revealed? So we said, what provokes the wrath of God? But how is the wrath of God revealed? Now, allow me to digress a little bit away from Scripture and tell you something of how doctors work. Bear with me, please, despite your known dislike for doctors. Um, see, when you go to a doctor, you go with a symptom or a group of symptoms. It is the doctor's job to find the cause of the problem the cause of the symptoms, and then to suggest a remedy or a treatment. A doctor does not give you a treatment based on your symptom. A doctor gives you a treatment after trying to identify what is the cause of that symptom and treats the cause, not the symptom. And that is why sometimes when you start treatment, the symptoms continue for some more time. Because it takes time for the action to take place and the cause to be uprooted. Okay? So that's a little bit about that part. So treating your symptoms does not solve the problem. The cause of the problem needs to be identified, the problem needs to have a diagnosis, and then the treatment can be offered. Okay. Now, currently, we have a diagnosis, coming back to the Word of God. Currently, we do have a diagnosis. And what is the diagnosis? Wrath of God. That's the diagnosis. Okay. What's the cause? Suppressing God's truth, ignoring God's revelation, denying the glory of God, exchanging the truth for a lie. So we have the causes. We have the diagnosis. What are the symptoms? Okay, now don't look at your neighbor. Huh? So we know the cause, we know the names of the causes, we know the diagnosis. So let's start with our symptoms. Symptom number one, idolatry. Idol worshipping, idolatry. Verse 23 of Romans chapter 1 and change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. You see, that's what happens. 
we have given up God and said, I'm going to create my own God. I'm going to do something and that's going to be my God. So I have my God with me all the time. It's either in my pocket or sitting in my home, whatever. Okay. In times past, the non-gods were idols made of stone and wood, made to look like animals and birds and creeping things. Today, the non-gods are the many things that we have around us that take our time and our attention. They are deceptively dead objects that have made us incredibly foolish people. Today, are we seeking after man-made idols or are we seeking after God? If there is an idol in your life, and remember, you should be able to recognize it because God has already put the truth in your heart. So if there is an idol in your life of any type, you can provoke the wrath of God. That's a symptom. It's not the disease. It's a symptom. Okay? Look at the cause, and you have the diagnosis. The first two commandments that God gave Moses, what we call the Ten Commandments, are this. You shall have no other gods before me. Number one. You shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you shall not make for yourself any carved image. Ten commandments. Commandment number one and commandment number two. Today, who do we worship? Do we worship the living God? A God-man? Or a man-made God? Symptom number two from verse 24. Sexual immorality. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness. You see, here is where God abandons. God gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. In some parts of the world, what I'm talking about now is a taboo topic. Premarital sex, extramarital sex, are no longer taboo words in many parts of the world, including in the church. In fact, I have to be blunt here. In fact, men and women are proud to tell you the number of women or men they sleep with. If that is not sexual immorality, tell me what it is. Pornography is the biggest seller on the internet. There are millions of websites that cater to obscene and pornographic tastes. You can sell yourself through pornographic sites and make money. Many people did that during the lockdown. And they find that that's a much easier way to make money than something else. Because there are so many voyeuristic purviewers of pornographic sites. In Hebrews 13, verse 4, we read these words. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Today, right across the world, 
men are moving away from the undefiled bed to the practice of bed hopping. Now, if that doesn't provoke the wrath of God, what will? Sexual immorality. But sexual immorality is not a disease, it's a symptom. We need to identify the cause. Why is there sexual immorality? Because there is no God in the life of that person. Because that person has rejected God. Because that person has pushed away the truth of God from his life. And so he says, I will do what I want. Sexual immorality is one of the symptoms. And God gave them up to their uncleanness and the lusts in their hearts. Symptom number three, verses 26 and 27. Perverted sexual immorality. 26 and 27. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchange the natural use of what is against nature. Likewise also the men, verse 27, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. The symptoms are getting worse. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19? What was their sin that resulted in destruction? It was this. It was the problem of same-gender sex, homosexuality. That was the problem in Sodom and Gomorrah. Today, they, the words most commonly used are LGBTQ. Okay, sometime back it used to be sodomy. Where did sodomy come from? Sodom. Okay, it is there in the Bible, and you know the result of what happened in Sodom. They were destroyed. The whole plains was destroyed. Sodom, Gomorrah, and the other cities there. The whole plain was destroyed. See, there is nothing right about lesbianism or homosexuality or bisexuality or transgenderism or with the pride movement or whatever new term they come up with. A quick statistical review of the LGBTQ movement shows that they are spreading fast in countries that have rejected God. You see? The greater the sin, the further away they are from God. That's what we need to be careful about. If we don't have God in our life, we are getting there. The only way to stay away from there, idolatry, sexual immorality, perverted sexual immorality, is keep God in the center of your life. No other way. God is a protective, or to use coronavirus terms, God is an antibody against all these kinds of issues. Perverted sexual immorality, like sexual immorality and idolatry, is a symptom. But the cause of the problem 
is not genetic, it is not environmental, it is not due to some chemical imbalance, or it is not due to wrong wiring in the brain. This is what people will tell you. But the Bible clearly tells us that the cause of this symptom is the absence of God in their lives, and that's why they now manifest the symptoms. Symptom number four, we are coming to the end. And I'll ask the choir to get ready. Uh, symptom number four, manifesting evil practices, verses 28 to 30. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, look at that. It can't be more plainer than that. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them up. God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. And then you have a whole list of things from 29 and 30. I won't go into that. In medical parlance, we call this the stage four symptoms or the terminal symptoms. It started with a rotten heart, progressed to a rotten body, and now you have a rotten mind. It's progressive, nothing else. A mind that is corrupt, a mind that is crippled, a mind that devises only evil. Remember once again, manifesting these evil practices is just a symptom. You can't deal with the symptom, it's not going to go away. You need to get to the cause. Like any patient who can be treated, so can these people. All they need is to bring God back into their lives. It's not an easy task. But Jesus gave us the answer. Matthew 19, 26 and Mark 10, 27. With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That's the answer. We can't do it by ourselves. God can make the change in all our lives. Now, I'm not trying to say that all of us are sexual perverts. No, I'm not. Not at all. Okay. Neither am I saying that all of us are having evil practices all the time, like murder or whatever. Okay, no, we aren't. Okay. But if we have started moving away from the basic issues and we have started suppressing the truth, we have started denying the glory of God, we are provoking God to wrath. And that's where we need to be careful, okay? So now we come to yet another question, which is this. This is my penultimate question. What is the result of the wrath of God? Last verse, verse 32. Who, all these people, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, they know the righteous judgment of God, Okay, they're not ignorant. They know the righteous judgment of God. That those who practice such things are deserving of death. They know that also. Not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. So what's the result? Death. The result of idolatry 
sexual immorality and perversions, evil practices is death. Now, anybody who practices these is aware of the penalty of death. But they either don't care or they think they have no hope. And you know the problem in many established churches today? Accepting perverted behavior as normal. Okay? I'm not at all saying that we shouldn't allow such people into the church. The church is the place of healing. They have a symptom. They can come and they can get healed. But allowing them to come in and say, oh, that's normal behavior. That's okay. That is wrong. Okay? And that's what many churches are doing today. We have gay bishops. We have gay pastors. Pretty soon we'll not be, all the bishops will be gay. That's the way it's going. Okay? That's what is false churches. Last question. And then I hand over to Brother Matthew. Is there any hope to escape from the wrath of God? We've seen the, what provokes God to wrath. We have seen the symptoms of wrath. We have seen what's the result of wrath. But is there any hope? Yes, there is. So please turn with me to Psalms 81, verses 13 and 14. Psalm 81, 13 and 14. In fact, 11 and 12 is a very summarized two verses of what Romans 18 to 32 is all about. Okay, I'm not going there, but if you read 11 and 12, it's a summarized version of Romans 1, 18 to 32. But then, from verse 13 onwards, this is what it says. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. All that God is saying is, listen to me, walk in my ways. That's your hope. That is the hope that we have and that's the hope that we need. Church, there is always hope with God. He is our master physician. Now, he has already identified the cause of our problems. Today, do not suppress the truth. Today, do not ignore God's revelation. Today, do not deny the glory of God. And today, do not exchange the truth for a lie. Church, are you willing to let Jesus Christ... And the word of God change and transform your heart. Before we close the service, I'll just call on the choir to lead us in a song and then we will close. The shirt is still not ready. It's a song that will require that you also should join in, so please do. Change my heart, O oh God. Make it.
compromise the truth and the basic question that I've asked is what provoked the wrath of God we all know suppression, ignoring denial exchanging the truth with lie how is the wrath of God revealed, that is symptoms idolatry, sexual immorality perverted sexual immorality, manifest the evil practice and another question asked this morning, so I have to know, what is the result? Is dead. Is there any hope? Listen and obey. I want to assure you, through the scripture, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, for God did not appoint us to rot, but to obtain salvation through Lord Jesus Christ. Begin to talk to God. Lord, I don't want to see your rot. You know those areas that concerns you in this afternoon message. Talk to God. Because of your son on the cross of Calvary, have mercy, Lord. Give me the designing spirit. 
to come back to you. These are the areas that have fallen before you, Lord. Have mercy, Lord. Talk to God. He's a merciful God. And he's going to listen to you. Father, we appreciate you this afternoon. We thank you. We glorify your holy name. That you have allowed us to know that we should not suppress the truth. We should not ignore your revelation. We don't want to see your wrath, Lord. Have mercy, Lord. Let your Holy Spirit continue to dwell in our life. Let your Holy Spirit continue to lead us. Let your Holy Spirit continue to guide us so that we will remain faithful to you. Help us, Lord, and let your name be glorified. Father, we want to appreciate you for your son that you have used for us this day. We want to ask for more anointing in his life. Bless him. Bless the source of the knowledge you have given unto him. Bless the work of his hand. Bless his family. Glorify yourself in his life so that we can hear more from him. Let your spirit continue to lead him in the mighty name of Jesus. We bless each and every one of you this afternoon that you are here, that God Almighty shall continue to be with you in the mighty name of Jesus. And as you go into new week, the presence of God shall go ahead of you in the mighty name of Jesus. And as you step to new month, new thing will spring up in your life in the mighty name of Jesus. What you will do that will be in the wrath of God to your life. You shall never go there or near it in the mighty name of Jesus. The Spirit of God will continue to lead you and guide you in the mighty name of Jesus. Blessed be your holy name, Lord. For the rest of the year, our program is in your hand. Take control in Jesus' name. For our members that have traveled, they have gone safely, they shall return with testimony in the mighty name of Jesus. And for those that are prepared to travel, that God will see you through, you go with testimony and come back with testimony in the mighty name of Jesus. Blessed be your holy name, Lord. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Let's jointly share the grace together in fellowship. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, God's goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Do have a wonderful week.